Welcome back to another episode of Weekly Pop. My name is Emma Sasek and I'm a reporter for the Desert Sun in Palm Springs. And I'm Kevin Schwaller, a digital producer at Spectrum News in Milwaukee. And it's a second week in a row where we're both doing kind of well. It is. We're two for two. (laughs) We're really developing and evolving and learning. I am really, I am very, very fucking tired, but I don't feel like Mm. shit. So I'll I'll take what I can get. And for all those at home, he does have construction going on outside of his apartment. So some things don't change. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a while, actually, since we recorded during construction. Actually, there's currently not construction, but this morning was a shit show. So they might might come back at any moment. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see. You know, we won't tempt them too much. No. (laughs) We had a very exciting movie-filled weekend. We had both Asteroid City from Wes Anderson come out and No Hard Feelings with Jennifer Lawrence, which I guess came out mainly on top of the box office this past weekend, which good for her. Love a Jennifer Lawrence moment, and I'm so happy that we get to watch her again since it's been a bit of a while. It's funny. I was actually just thinking about this before I was setting up. We, nine times out of ten, share the same brain. Well, like slightly, like with Pixar, you know, like last week, for example, like I like something more than you did, but like overall we... Right. are 99% on the same page. And with Jennifer Lawrence, I feel like we went on the same journey where we're like, oh, I love her to like, oh God, she's annoying. And then we <laughs> loved her again in Mother and then she disappeared off the face of the earth. And now we're both like, thank God she's back. Yes, I do wish her triumphant return was not in Don't Look Up because that was a <laughs> shit oh, show of a movie. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Oh, well... But we'll forget that yes, and yes. focus on Causeway, which was good, and this one, which was hilariously good. Well, okay, let's. This was her first like box office return because yes. those were those were streaming platform moments, and this is her leading a movie again for the world to see versus on Apple TV Plus. <laughs> That's correct, and <laughs> I'm glad that she like did so great at the box office. Do you have the official numbers? Yes, so this came out just about a week ago, and it's made just shy of $25 million against a $45 million budget, so I think it'll eventually get past that. Mm-hmm. But $45 million is pretty high, but I mean, she is probably the highest paid, one of the highest paid actresses in the business, so I'm assuming most of that went to her. <laughs> yes, her, Matthew Broderick, the other guy who she plays up against, I'm pretty sure that most of the budget literally was to pay these people high salaries, which, good for them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think I think this will pick up steam. It's literally in its first weekend and mm-hmm. it made just as much as Elemental. So. so, well, we can just dive right into No Hard Feelings. So as we said, her nice triumphant return to the box office. This movie deals with her kind of being down on her luck. She is very close to being evicted from her home. Her car got taken away from her. It's a whole <laughs> shit show. And she finds this Craigslist ad, which is kind of crazy to me that this is actually based on kind of a true story because the director or writer, whoever, they did actually see a Craigslist ad. Really? Yes, they saw a Craigslist ad from these parents asking some woman to basically like do something with their son because of how lame he is. (laughs) Isn't that the craziest thing ever? I I don't think I knew that, that. Ew. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. So, well, that I need to look into that. But yeah, they're what they're like, they're kind of like helicopter parents. And he's, I think, 19 because he's going to call. Yeah, he's 19. Mm -hmm. Um, And they just kind of were like, we want our son to, you know, just get out there in general. But specifically, they want him to have sex. They want him to meet a girl that gets him out of his shell they want him to try drinking just things that like that'll help prepare him to not be a total loser flop in college <laughs> and like you said she's down on her luck her car is towed and her house is she's about to lose her house that her mom fully paid off but she wasn't paying the taxes i guess so whoopsies <laughs> hate when that happens so the 19 year old is played by andrew barth feldman his name is percy in the movie and he volunteers at like a local animal shelter. So the parents and and Jennifer Lawrence, she plays Maddie. Uh, they agree that she should just go <laughs> try to seduce him <laughs> at the <laughs> animal shelter. And when I tell you, I had I don't think I've had this much fun at a movie in I don't know how long. I was yeah. literally 
in tears, crying, laughing, like pissing my pants laughing. And I was thinking about it, actually. The last time I think I laughed this much at a movie was Girls Trip, which was, what, 20, mm. 2017, probably? Yeah, that's been a while. I laughed so hard here, too, because Jennifer Lawrence is just fucking funny. She doesn't have to do anything, but she is so funny. She comes up to him and just says so coyly, <laughs> can I pet your wiener? <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> And honestly, the casting here is so good because this kid, I think he he at one point played Evan Hansen in Dear Evan Hansen, mm -hmm. which annoying, but fits the, fits the, fits the mold. Um, <laughs> and I think he just has more just like musical experience. And Jennifer Lawrence obviously is a very naturally kind of comedic person. I feel like we we can tell from, her, you know, just how she presents herself, uh, just like on the red carpet and interviews, stuff like that. So just their dynamic from the get go of when they first meet is like just a perfect combo to me I just want to know this kid if it was anybody else they would probably be like I am calling the cops on this woman she well, is psychotic well in the movie he's like texting I think his parents like call my own oh, one and then, <laughs> and then he maces he sprays her with mace because <laughs> I just love that entire scene she's like give me that phone you don't need that and then he looks around and there are literal tools and like clippers in the back of her van in the shadiest van possible and he's like this isn't the way to my house. She said, it's a shortcut. It's fine. <laughs> and then he's like, he's like, you're trying to kidnap me. She's like, you're 19. I can't kidnap you. <laughs> she is, uh, this is probably like my second favorite performance from her besides mother, which we just can't top. But um, eventually, I mean, she is, she looks amazing in this movie, which there oh is a scene, God. which we'll get to in a little bit, which mm -hmm. <laughs> we could really talk about that. But she looks so good. She's like dressed very kind of, slutty non-derogatory by the way um complimentary uh just trying to seduce cute this slutty. kid yeah cute <laughs> slutty positive slutty there's no there's no negative slutty we don't slut shame here no but eventually i guess he just kind of agrees to like go on a date with her because she's hot and throwing herself out there i don't think that would happen in real life i mean but... this kid's like i guess yeah i i don't have a whole lot else going on at the moment <laughs> And she takes him to like a dive bar where she forces him to drink Long Islands. Oh, do you remember when he was like, do you have Coke? She's like, we have Pepsi. And he's like, do you want to go, go somewhere else? <laughs> She's like, no, it's fine. You have a Long Island iced tea. <laughs> My favorite line in this entire movie is when that guy came up to sit next to him while they're on that date. And then he gets up and leaves. And then Percy asks her, he's like, if you guys are friends, why do you not like him? And she's like, well, you just met him. Do you like him? Because <laughs> it was this giant jackass that sat down. And, and then, there's her her delivery is just so good. And then she also said something like, um, do you want to fuck him? Like, hey, oh, yeah. come over here. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and she's just having so much fun. Uh, I'm just like gushing nonstop. I want to rewatch this again so badly. I can't wait but... <laughs> to watch it again. I guess after the bar, she's like trying to get him to have sex with her. Because that is kind of the deal. Like, did we say that the... We talked about she gets a car, right? Did well, we actually, that? we we may not have mentioned that, but the whole point of why she does this is because his parents, played by Matthew Broderick and Laura Benanti, they promise her a run-down Buick, and she is <laughs> like, "Great, I'll take it. I don't care." Well, because she's like also an Uber driver. We left out a lot of stuff. She used she was an Uber driver, and it's the summer season, so that's how she makes most of her money. But the car was towed, like we said. All right, we're back. We're back and ready. <laughs> um, so basically, like, long story short with this whole thing with them is that if she has sex with the kid, she gets the car. <laughs> so she's trying everything to get this kid to put out for her <laughs> and takes him skinny dipping. And then he's, like, fighting against. He's like, no, there's no lifeguards. There's no this. She's like, just get in the water. <laughs> and they're in the water. And it looks like it's about to happen. And then a bunch of, like, drunk kids are on the beach and they're like oh we're stealing all your clothes <laughs> i don't even want to get into what happens next what happens next is she full-on runs out of the ocean ass naked great body i have to say yeah great body on jennifer lawrence <laughs> uh and so it's beating these people up <laughs> as she's naked Fully naked, beating the shit out of three teenagers, kicking them everywhere, like throwing them around, like punching them. <laughs> and I absolutely love when he, she gets back into the water and he's like, did you hurt those kids? She was like, no, we were just talking. And he was <laughs> freaked out. <laughs> oh, God. 
I, every I single, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this whole buildup between them is the funniest thing I think, like, I've ever seen. There are just so many funny, stupid scenes between them. And, I mean, as we're saying, she is fantastic, but Andrew really does a good job holding his yeah. own against her and just being this socially awkward, so incompetent teenager who does not know at all what he's doing um that scene when he's like okay let's let's finally have sex he is breaking out into hives and oh, rashes yeah. and she has to put cream on him oh actually she's shaking her ass in front of him and she's like come on <laughs> slap it and he kicks her and she falls <laughs> oh my god this oh and god. i've seen so I haven't seen actual controversy, but I've seen people complain about controversy about this movie. Okay. Like I haven't seen it, but people are like obviously saying like, oh, this is really predatory, this and this, this. And I'm like, first of all, it's a movie. Second of all, it's a comedy. Third of all, I like that they're marketing it as this like kind of return to like those mid 2000s R-rated comedies, you know, yeah. like super bad, all that stuff. And those movies are extremely inappropriate, but we love them you know what I mean so it's like I like that this is just unapologetically messy and but at the same time like we know what she's doing is bad we know what the parents are doing is disgusting so it's not like we're like rooting for this love story to work out and blossom into something we know this is all going to end up you know failing so just can people just enjoy themselves you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah I mean I don't think at one point they ever said, this is good. None of this is bad. This is, this is okay. You're I mean, going to an R-rated comedy. Like, what do you expect? <laughs> I mean, the parents literally say in the ad, they're looking for like a young to mid 20 year old woman. And she's like, yeah, I'm, I, I turned 29 <laughs> last year. And they're like, so you're 30, uh, 32. 32. <laughs> so, I mean, there's clearly red flags all going on here, but I mean... I just want Jennifer Lawrence to have a fun time. Is that is that so bad? Put me is away that... to jail. <laughs> right, right. I'm like, I'm like, oh, whatever. Um, when it started developing a little bit more, I was kind of like, I know this isn't gonna end up with them getting together by any means, mm -hmm. but I also was like, what's going on here? Because that's true. I did like they had a really excellent dynamic, like we talked about, and it seemed very natural between them. But the scene when they go to prom and then like that younger girl is like, oh, I'm going to Princeton too. And Jennifer Lawrence is clearly pressed about her. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, this This is getting a little gray area-ish for me. Mm -hmm. And I was so, I was sitting there like hoping that she was going to go to that Princeton mixer and, like, and just like fuck shit up. And then when she, she did get out of the car, I was like, yes. It's time. <laughs> and it was just so fucking funny. And the kid was, uh, Percy sitting there like, oh yeah, I took something. And she's like, throw up and she like forces her fingers down his throat to throw up and he's like oh yeah you can't mix ibuprofen and alcohol oh my god <laughs> and, and then... he looks so dead on that couch like he's <laughs> and he ends up like punching her in the throat instead of the dad <laughs> again oh, god. so many stupid moments and yes i mean i was at one point, I was like, why is she getting jealous? I guess she's mm -hmm. getting jealous because he's going to lose his virginity to someone else. And she's not going to get the car, which I get that. I do get that. But yeah, the kid was in way too deep with her after very much not caring about her. Yeah, I did also like the... <laughs> I did also like the Kyle Mooney cameo as his old babysitter. Oh, yeah. He's like, what are you trying to do? And she was like, trying to do the same thing as you. Fuck him, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. She made so many, like, pedophilia male nanny jokes. I was crying laughing. That was so good. <laughs> as soon as he threw the Frisbee for Percy to chase, I was like, he's going to, like, confront her. And she was like, I could say same to you. Just incredible overall. Um, I will say, yes. I loved all of her outfits, wanted to have all of them in my closet, loved her roller skating. I oh, yeah. The, I love the Barbie reference in this Did you movie. see? Oh, that's our weekly plug for Barbie. We're Got less it. than a month away, you guys. Ah! Did you see that Jennifer Lawrence said that she grew up roller skating? And then so when they like suggested doing it, she was like, oh, yeah, like for sure. And then they're like, oh, do you want like any kind of lessons or like whatever she's like no I got it and then she kept saying she like kept busting her shit like <laughs> every single take and then she finally got it again like like you know like you never forget how to ride a bike kind of thing right I'm just laughing picturing like this like 
however rich Jennifer Lawrence is, just constantly uh, falling over. And like the the production, like director all being like, Are you okay? And she's like, Yeah. And she's like, she's like, Yeah, I'm fine. Her <laughs> god damn it. <laughs> I have been loving seeing her doing interviews again. Yes. Like she's always a riot in them. I watched the Hot Wings thing. I haven't seen it did. yet. Oh it's my on my God. watch. It's on my watch later. It is so funny over how dramatic she gets doing these movies. <laughs> <laughs> I posted a tweet the other day that was like experiencing an emotional breakdown over the tiniest inconvenience. And she's literally like, I feel like I'm going to die. <laughs> and then like not even, I don't know, maybe a wing or two later, she's like, I'm actually okay. You know, I'm doing fine <laughs> after just losing it. I I adore her. I'm so happy to see her on screen again. I'm so happy that people are literally going to the box office. And I mm. I want more of these R-rated adult comedies yeah. because I can actually appreciate them now more because they came out when we were super young. And unless you're re-watching them, you did not get the references the first time around. Right. And you're just kind of sitting there feeling like, ooh, I shouldn't be watching this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, did you watch the Vanity Fair one where they're like quizzing each other? No, I haven't, but I saw little clips of it at least. He was like, she, her question was like, what's my favorite Housewives franchise? And he's like, I only know Beverly Hills. And she's like, that's what it is. Oh. <laughs> I was like, same girl, same. Let's hang out. Um, let's get back to the plot. <laughs> yes, right. The way he learned out that this was all set up in Sage was kind of a stretch to me with like mm. the car picking up the Bluetooth, whatever was phone call. I don't know technology. I don't have a fancy car. <laughs> But that was good when he invited her to dinner and he was like, oh, I guess I double booked you guys. <laughs> it's just like you're sitting there just like kind of like on the edge of your seat. Like this is going to go so south so quickly. I know. And how mean he was. He was like, oh, yeah, I didn't know how to tell you about her age. She's so old. <laughs> she was so fucking mad. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and uh, yes, unfortunately, he finds out kind of destroys her car that oh. she was being promised Ooh. and he thinks that they have sex which my god they do not <laughs> that was so funny <laughs> and this whole time during all of this she is really just in the mindset of wanting to stay in this little beachside town because that's where she grew up it's like we said her mom gave her the house when she passed away her dad left when she was super young and didn't want anything to do with her really so she's kind of just like sticking to this instead of branching out and percy kind of like reads her to filth for it mm-hmm. <laughs> and i'm like i'm like i get that you're mad but that's kind of shitty i know what a bitch <laughs> uh they obviously uh part ways as the summer wraps up and he's going to princeton and she ends up getting this destroyed car that is still able somehow, to be used yes. somehow working <laughs> And and eventually gets enough Uber money and kind of gets her life back on track a little bit. When she shows up to the that final mixer and he's like, she's like, talk to me, talk to me. He's like, no, I knew she was going to get on the hood of the car. And I was like, yes. However, <laughs> I did not imagine where no. that journey would take them. I literally was like, is she fucking dead right now? <laughs> it was like, first of all, she's on fire. Second of all, she's in the ocean. Third of all, how the car not hit her while she was in the ocean? People listening, are, people listening are like, what? <laughs> I just cannot believe that they did not drown, either one of them. Um, how did they not kill even more people driving across the beach? How did he get to the beach so fucking fast? How did he not see where he was going? It's not like she was blocking his entire way. <laughs> I have so many questions and yet another ridiculous scene. But thank God. Thank God for Jennifer Lawrence being game for anything. I loved that the final um, the final scene of the movie when she's like, do you want a new boyfriend? Like he has a drug problem, like all that stuff. I was like, oh. I know exactly who it was going to be. Yeah, that was good. Honestly, uh, I just had such a good time with this movie. I'm in such a good mood even just talking about it now. <laughs> I know. What ended up being your like final ranking or rating of this movie? I feel very split because I think I gave it like a three and a half out of five, but... Mm. In the same breath, I give it, like, a 10 out of 5. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Like, I loved it so much. But, I mean, like, overall, like, it did kind of fizzle out a little bit when it shifted to be a little more, like I said, that gray area in the middle. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, what's going on? And then, obviously, when there are, you know, the more serious conversations being had and the parents having to sit down with with Percy, 
there's obviously no room for like that raunchy humor that we saw in the beginning and that's mm-hmm. you know any comedy is set up like that so the parts that i loved like which was most of the movie like perfect movie no notes whatsoever there's just like i said towards the middle end ish there's just no room for that kind of uh, slapstick comedy so mm-hmm. it feels like that a little bit but like honestly i would very much give this a five out of five but at the same time like i'm like no like a three and a half out of five is good enough for me but i don't know i feel very torn about this <laughs> i actually also gave it a three and a half out of five ooh, say mine. i will also say i mean i should have known that this guy has a great voice but i loved his little version of man eater that was so good <laughs> i didn't even recognize it because of how Obviously, he's playing a slow version on the piano. So when it got to the chorus, that's when I realized. And I was like, aww, but also, ew, but aww. I know. At first, (laughs) I was like, is he dragging her again? Because she is a (laughs) man-eater. That was, and she was like, oh, like, how'd you learn to play that? He was like, you said it was your favorite song or whatever. Something like that. I was just like, this is so cute and also so ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, Do we need to date 19-year-olds at this point to have something cute happen to us? I guess. I mean, they were eating, they were eating a lot of nice looking seafood. I'm in. (laughs) That's true. I do live in a seasonal area where there are a lot of rich people here. So call me up. (laughs) Get get to it. (laughs) No, I think you said a little bit ago, I, we definitely need more of these R-rated comedies to come back more frequently. And I, I hope if this does well enough that that kind of encourages other filmmakers other actors to do it because i feel like with jennifer lawrence like somebody as big as her and just her saying yeah i'll get butt ass naked for this movie and beat up teenagers like that is just so unhinged and it works so well that i'm hoping like other people see the like this movie other actors at least and are like i want to do that too because it, yeah. it, it just looks like she's having fun you know mm-hmm. and people will go to the movie theaters for that and i consider that a win yeah, we we need we need more people to hit the theaters, girls. Mm-hmm. We can't let Barbie flop. I repeat, we can't let Barbie flop. And that's the perfect segue to talk about the next movie that got people going into theaters, Asteroid City, and we'll talk about that when we come back. Like you said, another film had people going to the movies this past weekend, and that is Asteroid City by Wes Anderson. It came out the same day, I want to say, nationwide as No Hard Feelings. It came behind No Hard Feelings, which I'm not mad about, um, and made a little over $10 million. I think overall it's at like 16 something, 16 million within the world. <laughs> and it follows a writer on, I don't even know how we're going to talk about the it's like it's basically like a story within a story a play within a tv show within a movie type yes (laughs) yes uh basically about a dad traveling with his kids to this extremely small rural city in the middle of somewhere in the u.s called asteroid city and it's a population of 87 and there's this kind of like junior science stargazing kind of event happening and some crazy shit happens, which caused them to all to stay in the city a lot longer than they wanted to. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, it, I I was really interested with how this movie began because first it starts off in black and white with Brian Cranston narrating that... That opening scene was so cool. It was, it was. Uh, he starts narrating that we're about to see, I guess, follow a writer as he writes this TV show play whatever about asteroid city everything that we see in color is like the the, the play. tv show play yeah. thing, thingamabobber um and so sometimes the movie will cut back to black and white to show us what's going on in the writer's life and all these different characters that he interacts with in that area you have brian cranston you have edward norton adrian brody hung chow bunch of random people margot robbie in the best scene in the film in my opinion <laughs> and then in asteroid city you have jason schwartzman scarlett johansson tom hanks uh all the swinton literally like, all these people possible <laughs> oh god steve carell like my hawk like oh well oh willem defoe's in the other one this there's oh, two yes. people in this movie <laughs> there, there are i mean good for wes anderson for literally being the only person who can get 
a huge cast like this together for every mm -hmm. single one of his movies, but it gets to be quite a lot. <laughs> Um, but yes, the Asteroid City, somewhere in the desert in Nevada, Arizona, California, somewhere around there, uh, this family led by Jason Schwartzman, they get stuck there, but it's the setting that they need to be in because of his little kid who is in for the stargazing competition. Uh, Scarlett Johansson is a famous actress whose daughter is also part of this competition. There's Maya Hawk and her little school children coming in for this thing. All these people gathered for this competition. And uh, yes, there is a out of this world experience, we'll say, that they are all a part of. And once it happens, they find themselves even more stuck in this very tiny world, which is so gorgeous. Like one mm -hmm. of the most gorgeous, but also very fake sets <laughs> I've ever seen in a Wes Anderson movie, which makes sense because this is literally a fake play production thing that's happening. It's funny that they're all kind of put into quarantine from this crazy experience, but this was filmed during like, I want to say 2021 pandemic. Ah, okay. So they probably had a lot of, well, they had to have a lot of COVID protocols in place. So just funny they all had to, like the last half of this movie is them having to quarantine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently they filmed in Spain. Oh, interesting. I'm like, I'm like, are there deserts in Spain? I don't know. Perhaps. I haven't been. Perhaps. They weren't in, have they weren't in the Cheetah Girls 2 movie, so I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they literally could have filmed it where I live. It is literally the desert. So mm -hmm. I do love a little trip to Barcelona and Madrid for all of them. So good for them. <laughs> I liked like the Visco filter that this movie had on it. Oh my god, yes. The most yellow, saturated setting you could possibly have. I loved the 1950s, 60s style of it all, which, I mean, it kind of makes sense that this is set during the time when they literally were flying to the moon. So there's all this fascination with outer space and all that stuff. Um, so I kind of started piecing together certain things. I love the little martini vending machine. Oh my god. Is so stylish. I adore it. I was like, I want one. <laughs> yes. And I mean, as usual with any Wes Anderson movie, like we said, there are so many different people, so many different characters. He's trying to write all these different sidelines and plots and it kind of gets a little crazy and hard to keep track of sometimes or at least a lot of the people that you do really like you might not get to spend as much time with them but Jason Schwartzman and Scarlett Johansson kind of get to take the bulk of this movie and I really enjoyed their scenes together and mm -hmm. more of the toned down moments that they get to share compared to some of the other things that Wes Anderson brings to his movies. I just really liked the serious tone and how they both were, I guess, just feeling lonely and so uh, not sure of themselves in the world. And yeah, I just really liked how they played off to each other. When at one point she was like, I'm going to end up overdosing in the bathtub one day, whatever. And then he opens his window and she's just laying across in their little, what are they, little motels. Yeah. And she's just laying there totally dead eyed. And then he starts talking to her and then she starts responding, even though we all think she died. Because she had these like spilled pill bottle, <laughs> the pills all over the place. Her like makeup is running and she's just laying there totally stiff. And then I'm like, oh, she did kill herself. And then he starts talking to her and then she starts responding. And I was just like, oh, damn it. <laughs> That is just such a funny scene. I laughed at that one. And I did too. I, we said that people weren't laughing in our theaters for whatever reason. I think the little girls, his little, the three girls were the ones that got most people laughing. I was laughing the most at them. Especially that one scene with Tom Hanks talking to the three girls and he's like, oh yeah, you witches in training because they're trying to put a, perform a spell on Margot Robbie's ashes. <laughs> and they're like, no, we're witches. And one's like, I'm half witch, half alien. <laughs> He's like, like, okay. <laughs> also, I feel like his character definitely lives in Palm Springs slash Rancho Mirage because at one point he says that he's coming from Rancho Palms. And I was like, I saw that golf course in the background. I know where you are. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, yeah. just had to shout that out a little bit. I've been reading a bunch of reviews and explanations about all the stuff that this movie is talking about and dealing with how you know, like trying to figure out our place in the world and this and that. I don't feel like all of that necessarily came through as strongly as it could have, at least from my perspective and how I felt watching it. I mean, when it comes to Wes Anderson movies in general, I'm not looking for an overall bigger meaning. Right. <laughs> but I will say I 
I, I mean, that that was pretty on the nose because the, the lead character literally has an existential crisis towards the end of the movie about how he doesn't understand what the play is about. And Adrian Bodie's like, oh, like some things you don't, you'll just never fully understand. Like stuff like that. Like, I don't right. know. I thought it was pretty, I mean, I don't think it was like in your face, the, not in your face. I don't think it was brought up throughout the entire movie. That was mm-hmm. literally, I think the only time that that even happened. Yeah, no, I, that that's why I was saying, like, I just yeah. see so many people talking about this and how they feel like it's his most poignant and moving story and this and that. And I just thought, I mean, not really, at least from my perspective, I didn't think it was that deep of a story. And anytime they did cut back to the black and white stuff, it had to do with Jason Schwartzman being like, why does he burn his hand on the griddle? What, why is he doing all of this? I have the same exact question. I don't know, understand why many things are happening in this movie. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't really have high praise for Wes Anderson. It's like 50-50 for me. Yeah. And this is on the better side for me. So I don't really, at this point when he makes a new movie, I don't really give a shit what it's about. As long <laughs> as I'm not bored by it, I don't really care. So I don't care that my standards are that low. But I don't know. I think, I mean, I'm, I'm looking back at like, Grand Budapest and Moonrise Kingdom, and I can't think of overall thematic ideas that stuck out to me. I thought mm-hmm. they were just like creative movies. I don't, yeah, I don't, I'm not reading into Wes Anderson. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> well, that's how I feel too. And so I just, with all these people saying this, I thought, I don't know if we were watching the same exact movie because right. I mean, it's just more of his quirky stuff. And I do like the more serious tones that he has in it, but I mean, I'm not shedding tears or feeling so profoundly moved watching any of it no i no. that's kind of like yeah i don't feel moved watching any of his movies to be honest <laughs> even the ones i liked i mean they're not getting me to cry i was more emotionally invested in no hard feelings and i think any of Wes anderson's films i'm sorry <laughs> but <laughs> i will say what i need more of is jason schwartzman and edward norton making out <laughs> yeah that came out of nowhere but i was totally fine with that I was, sitting, I was sitting there like, are they gay? And then they started making out. I was like, wow. Ah, okay. Okay, so something that I really did not like in this movie, every time they had to cut to the title card that said like scenes this through this, I just, I did not need that every five seconds. I actually disagree. Oh. Oh my God. I'm wow. ending this podcast. We're Bye-bye. done. <laughs> no, I thought it just made it um just made more sense to show you where you are in the play. Mm. Like where yeah, I don't know. Cause I feel like since we're supposed to be following this play, whoever wrote it, and <laughs> whatever it's about, um, I think it helps keep in time with what where you would expect to be if you were actually watching the play. Mm-hmm. Cause I talked about like I think in the beginning that act one takes place the first day act two is the second day and then like the act three is like a week later or something Mm -hmm. um so i don't know it just kind of kept the time going for me actually i think that was the reason why i liked it is because i was like oh cool we have this much left and i'm not expecting you know a two and a half hour snooze fest that's true no i understand why they did it i just felt like it would always cut off the momentum that Mm. these scenes would have and then when they finally, in the last act slash epilogue, whatever they called it, they didn't do it. And it flew by so so much faster for me. So I thought, oh, why couldn't we have just kind of done that? And they could have done act one and then let that play yeah. out. And then act two. And then they obviously okay, have yeah. those little intermissions with the black and white stuff happening. So I just felt like there would constantly be way too many frequent cuts to it. Yeah, if I okay, if they, if they just did like act one, act two, like right. kept that because there was a lot of it, and all those like title cards were so bright that I'd always be like, ah, my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Any movie that like kind of times where you are in it, like I'm thinking of everything everywhere when they're like part one, everything, oh, yes. part two, like at least I know there's a like an X amount of time left or something like that. I'm never mad about knowing how much time is left. I'm thinking even of Suspiria, the remake, when they're like part because it starts with like what like six acts and like an epilogue or something like that whatever it starts with and so they when they show you the acts you're kind of like oh there's this much left and then you're like there's still this much left and they're like oh there is that much left Uh, (laughs) the worst person in the world they also have like 12 acts in it but they're all very short sequences i I still haven't seen it ending the podcast (laughs) (laughs) i'm like oh shit i'll have to do that maybe i'll do that maybe i'll do it tomorrow i don't know I, I think this was definitely one of Wes Anderson's more cohesive movies to follow, though. Definitely. I liked, I liked that we weren't 
I we just both really hated the French Dispatch. So unfortunately, yeah, and that was just a bunch of different short stories. So I I, I I'm happy that he returned to like a more long form kind of structure. I guess, mm-hmm. but. I don't know. This man is just such... It either works or I just don't care. (laughs) I feel like with this film, everything was moving fine with me. It just kind of seemed like he didn't necessarily know how to end it all together because I still don't understand that one scene where that drama class is happening and they all start shouting some phrase that I can't even th- if you don't go to sleep you can't be awake if you're awake you can't go to sleep something like that I don't know what that's about at all I I don't know where to begin with that one and then the alien <laughs> comes out and like and I'm just like what the fuck is going on here yes. and for a half a second I thought the movie was gonna end there and I was so pissed I, I was like because it like it cuts to black and I was like there's no there's no fucking way <laughs> I would just be like then what was anything that we just watched Thankfully, it does include a very good scene with Jason Schwartzman and Margot Robbie, which Mm. I think I've read that people are saying that is the most pivotal scene in the film in terms of its meaning and everything that he's looking for. Again, I don't know. I need That's the only time that even happens in the movie. I know. That's the only time they even talk about any of this stuff. The rest is just little segments and (laughs) that just kind of follow this play. And actually, her thing is her reciting the lines that she was supposed to have in this play until it was ultimately cut. And, and then he was, I think, didn't he ask? He was like, why was this cut? And I'm saying they're like, yeah, why was this cut? That's a great scene. <laughs> Except she was giving me um, that Mary Queen of Scots movie with her wig. <laughs> I thought the same exact thing. I was like, too soon, too soon. <laughs> but that was a really good scene. Um, mm. Again, don't necessarily know how it tied into many things, but at least good for Margot Robbie for coming in when we needed her to come in. We'll always respect Margot Robbie for just popping in and out of anything she wants to do at this point in life. (laughs) (laughs) So where does this rank in your Wes Anderson filmography? What's your favorite Wes Anderson movie? I really like The Royal Tenenbaums, and that is an early Wes Anderson movie before he really got into ultra quirky style and everything. It still has quirky characters in it, but I feel like it's not peak what we're used to at this point was that like the only time Gwyneth Paltrow worked with this man (laughs) I think so she knew to get out (laughs) yeah she did because a lot of them kept going um Mm. I actually haven't seen a couple of his movies oh wait there's one that I'm looking at right now and I was like oh I did actually see that I think there's only two that I haven't seen done and that's the first two wow never mind guess I have seen most of these yeah I I liked Tenenbaums didn't most of his movies just don't really do much for me like I like I think I've said at least five times now but um I would definitely say Grand Budapest is probably my favorite I think because I went to go see it in theaters and I am I think I very quickly got into the vibe of the movie Mm -hmm. and it was just pretty to look at but I remember I really liked Moonrise Kingdom I haven't watched it since I saw it in theaters which was 11 years ago so that's crazy don't know how much I liked it then uh this is this is definitely probably top three for me it's it's up it's a good one I just again after French Dispatch neither of us really cared about Isle of Dogs that much I did enjoy it for the most part but I can't say that it was top tier or favorite or anything I know a lot of people hate that movie but I I they do they do people constantly say that they hate that movie and I thought I mean it was fine honestly yeah it was fine. I mean, we yeah, watched it together in theaters, yeah, I think. That was probably that's probably why it was fine. <laughs> yes, because we were both like, oh, fun, haha. Yeah, I mean, Fantastic Mr. Fox is good. I I, I think I've I think I've actually seen this man's movies only once. I don't think I've repeated any of his movies. I I haven't seen Bottle Rocket. I saw a little bit of Rushmore, but never the whole thing. I recently watched the life aquatic with steve zizu and i hated that movie i didn't finish it i remember i watched it a couple years ago and i could not tell you a single thing about it i did watch darjeeling limited a couple years ago also and i liked it for the most part okay but i don't remember much else (laughs) i have never seen that one actually so i have Okay, so I have three movies of his that I haven't seen. I can I can catch up on it. Actually, I'm, it might do me well to rewatch some of these because, yeah, I watched Moonrise Kingdom and it was kind of like just fine with me. Although I know a lot of people really, really like it. It's been a long time since I watched The Grand Budapest Hotel and that one is among the better of his, but I'm not going to waste my time on that anytime soon. <laughs> 
No, I just, I just don't. It just is just so quirky, but at the same time deadpan. And most of it just mm-hmm. doesn't work for me. I really like, obviously, visually, it's stunning. And like I talked about earlier, the opening shot of this movie, just the black and white and setting the stage and everything is gorgeous. And every single shot in this movie looks like a postcard. Yes. And that's very intentional. So it's just like, I'm just watching for that at this point, even mm-hmm. whether I like it or not. So I'm mm-hmm. happy that I did like this. <laughs> I will say for somebody who does like to have things very neat and tidy, this is like visually, visually porn for me, these mm-hmm. movies. Um, actually, I read that when he does that like 360 pan on Asteroid City, they built that as a miniature set and put like a camera on like a little mini train to get that, which yes. I thought that was crazy cool. Yes, I saw that too. That is genius. And honestly, we're kind of like, eh, whatever. I mean, we both said we like this movie. But when it comes to, I mean, I'm locking this in for production design, hands down. Oh my god, yeah. And cinematography. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I saw that, the little village thing that they set up. And I guess us not realizing this was filmed in Spain makes it even cooler, like the actual life-size model of it. It's so specifically fascinating to me. So that mm-hmm. helps me appreciate the movie and his craft a lot more. Mm-hmm. It's just the storytelling, I think, is where we kind of can get lost in his lost in the mix. <laughs> I just feel like he always tries to do too much with all these different people. And I didn't care about the Maya Hawk teacher stuff nope. whatsoever. The random like conversations with Liev Schreiber and all these other people. I just don't care. <laughs> I also, honestly, I love Adrian Brody and obviously also adore Hong Chao and I love her little era that she's in right now. Mm-hmm. But what was that supposed to be? I could not tell you. Like, why was he even in that movie? He did nothing for this movie. No, and he was like <laughs> the director of the TV production of this play. Oh, he was? <laughs> Wouldn't know it. Oh, I thought, oh, Edward Norton was the writer, right? I did. Oh, you know what? I loved Brian Cranston entering the scene. Oh, yeah. And then, and then uh, Scarlett Johansson just turned around. He's like, am I not supposed to be in this scene? And then he just cuts back to them talking. <laughs> that was so f- I was cracking up so loudly. Brian Cranston was so good in this. I know. I Once again, I do not know why he showed up in that scene, but good for him. Glad that he did it. That was, it was just so funny and so random. That was just like, because even he was like, wait, am I not supposed to be in this? And then it just her going like, and then the camera cuts, like, moves back to her and, and the woman she was talking to. And also, I just don't understand Tilda Swinton and Wes Anderson's relationship because she literally is in every single movie that he does. And I love that for her. And anything Tilda Swinton does, I will be tuning in for. And I actually really enjoyed her in this, too. And I liked her just kind of being like, yeah, come work for me to the little kid that somehow wasn't actually Jason Schwartzman's kid, despite him looking exactly I like know. him. I Meanwhile, was... Scarlett Johansson's daughter looked nothing like her so it was like (laughs) not at all that kid who played jason schwartzman's son he was in eighth grade he was the kid that she was like getting the chicken nuggets meal with i know i know it's just crazy to me as you said that it's not actually jason schwartzman's kid they look so creepily alike here like it's it's scary and i i didn't realize he was in isle of dogs and moonrise kingdom before so he's i mean every single person that works with wes anderson is guaranteed some kind of there must be some secret like contract (laughs) if you show up in this movie you will automatically be in my next three movies afterward right it's like like some kind of like four movie deal or something like that we're gonna start seeing maya hawk in every single one of this man's movies for the next decade (laughs) absolutely i i do wonder what it's like working with wes anderson as a director like what he is telling these people don't show any emotion. Stand in the middle of the frame. If you don't, I will literally kill you. <laughs> well, and they have to frame it so strategically, too. So it's like, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like if you're going to work with them, you know what you're mm-hmm. more or less in for. Maybe not like personality wise, but just like you're going to expect to do certain things and kind of prep for it in that sense. And I think that's, um, I don't know. I mean, it, it sounds kind of fun, despite me shitting on this man. <laughs> no, definitely. It would be very, like I said, very visually appealing. Overall, I gave this movie also three and a half out of five. Um, Like we said, gorgeous things going on, like beautiful sets and costume design and cinematography, Um, but just just wanting a little bit more from the story. Not necessarily I need to be moved to tears by Wes Anderson, but just feeling like there's even a compelling story there. I actually haven't figured out my rating for this movie yet, as I just saw it. Um, You know... I want to give it a four, to be honest. 
but I liked no hard feelings more. Mm. Um, but I think it just kind of comes down to, to technicalities of, you know, we just talked about the cinematography, the production design, like it's gorgeous to look at and the edit, everything about it is just so pretty and takes so much thought to put into versus making a slapstick comedy. So obviously there's more technical and visual elements to appreciate, which would possibly bump it up to a four, but I'm also in like a, with what you said, I'm like kind of like a three and a half, like, yeah, I want a little more of this and that, but overall, I don't know. I don't actually have a. I think I might go with a four, but I'm not sure yet. But with that being said, the comprehension is not there because I still like no hard feelings more than this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Wes Anderson. You just can't be Jennifer Lawrence shitting on little kids and beating them up. <laughs> yeah. Where was that scene in this movie? Huh? Hmm. <laughs> when we come back, we are going to dive into our what's popping for this week. So, Kevin, what is your what's popping for this week? Well, actually, before Asteroid City, they showed a trailer for a new Screen X location in the Milwaukee suburbs. And as Emma and I didn't actually know until very recently, (laughs) Screen X movies are panoramic-like film screens. So they show you 270-degree screens projected on the walls of the side of the screen. So it's kind of like three screens... And like I said, 270 degrees. So you're seeing almost nearly entirely around you is a movie screen. And they apparently launched in like 2012, but... News to us. <laughs> yeah. So they're building one in one of the Milwaukee suburb theaters. So they were teasing to that. And I was like, I've literally never heard of this. But they have them at Regal, apparently. That's, I think, my understanding is that's where most of them are. But well, they do not have it at the two theaters that I go to here, so... <laughs> But they've been definitely used for more superhero movies like like Black Panther, any of the Avengers movies. I think The Flash, actually, this new one that no one saw, <laughs> including yes. us, yeah. um, that is released in Screen X. And then I think Avatar The Way of Water was last year. So a bunch of movies have been, mm. but there's none near us and we've never heard of them. So I was sitting there like, how does this work? And then reading into it more, I'm like, huh, that's so interesting. And I just can't picture how you can squeeze a movie down so much to be able to stretch it out to three total screens but I'm very interested I'm like can Barbie be released on screen X yes and maybe they actually blow it up to like fill on the three Mm -hmm. screens rather than like squeeze it down because but also yeah I guess I mean the way that they film it they do usually things based on a standard screen so that you don't have to mess around with the pixels or anything. So, yeah, I don't know. I think they would have that. to squeeze it down then because if they blew it up, then you'd be losing a lot of <laughs> a lot of footage like I had like above and below that you wouldn't see. Hmm. That's so interesting to me. Unless but they also... do it like a widescreen where it's like already very like kind of cropped like that and then they blow it up even more. I don't know. I yeah, have many I don't questions. Know. They're the same the same company that made it also makes those 4D experience movies, but I have uh, yet to see a 4D X movie. <laughs> I, I would like to. <laughs> I feel like I would probably start throwing up if my chair started shaking because I can't do anything like I that. saw that the Little Mermaid live action was released in 4DX. I'm like, that sounds okay. Oh, interesting. Like I'd rather see that than like Guardians of the Galaxy in 4DX. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> You're just getting sw- slapped in the face by water the entire time. You're being waterboarded. Time. You're being waterboarded for two and a half hours that while Hallie great. Bailey is just singing to you. Yeah, sounds good time. Uh, uh, <laughs> and then you're like, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, I think that's really cool. Whenever it does open, I definitely want to go check it out. But I hope, if anything, it opens in time for Barbie. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. And what about you? What is your what's popping highlight of the week? So we famously remember that at this last Oscars, Angela Bassett did not do the thing Mm. in that she did not win an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress for Black Mm. Panther Wakanda Forever. Mm. Also famously did not win Best Actress for her role as Tina Turner in What's Love Got to Do With It back in the Mm. 90s or 80s. I don't know which decade, but... However, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences announced that its Board of Governors is going to present her with an honorary Academy Award, which one, I'm very happy for her to finally have an Oscar in her hands, but come on, 
You could I have know. given her. You could have given her to her two times already, people. He could have given it to her for anything she's ever done. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which absolutely. I guess they technically are now. But yeah, this is such a long time coming. And it's we talk I think we actually we had to talk about this during the Oscars highlights, but it's just crazy. She is literally one of the most talented people of all time. I know. And just like for her to get just an honorary award, it's like, yeah, she should get a lifetime achievement award in general, but reward her specifically for like something, a role that she played. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I and hope- then give her a lifetime achievement award after that. <laughs> I hope that she does get another Oscar nomination in the future and that they finally can give it to her uh, so that she has two Oscars on her mantle. Would love to see that for her. Uh, But also the people who are getting awards include Mel Brooks, who I think is an EGOT winner, so he already has an Oscar. Editor Carol Littleton and the Jean Herschel Humanitarian Award will go to Sundance Institute's Michelle Satter. I wish that they actually uh, showcased the governor's award, like these honorary statues, because, I mean, they're usually pretty good people who get them, Mm -hmm. but it will not be. And so these people will get it later in this year in November. So good for them. And mainly good for Angela Bassett, who is finally able to say she did the thing. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Actually, I also want to shout out, we haven't talked about the show yet on, on here, but The Idol came out a few weeks ago everybody has been shitting on it Hmm. and i just want to thank twitter for just constantly giving me hilarious memes and tweets about how terrible the show is i truly thank you for your service my friend is convinced and this is way before the idol came out my friend has been actively convinced that the weekend is a murderer (laughs) and this is not helping the cause And I'm like, no, he's not. And then this is out. And I haven't seen it yet. But I know that, like they filmed in his house. I've heard about like stuff that happened on the show. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> it's funny because on Keep It, the podcast that I listened to, one of the hosts, Keep It, for that week was to people who kept thinking that The weekend slash Abel was playing himself on his show. And he was like, are you fucking stupid? He is acting. He's like, poorly, but he is acting. <laughs> Oh, I yeah, I think whenever the show ends, I'll probably binge it because it's right. not I don't think it's worth tuning in too weekly. No. But I am happy that after all those lists, we were talking about a couple episodes ago, we were like, when is the show coming out? And then like right after they announced the June date. So whenever this does wrap up, I'll I'll give it a watch. But yeah, I'm I'm thankful for the Internet and the collective overall response to this show. <laughs> it's, it's what fuels me every single day of my life, thankfully. <laughs> Well, that does it for another episode of Weekly Pop. We will be back next week with more delightful conversations and shenanigans as usual. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Kevin Schwaller. And I'm Emma Sasek, and we will see you then. Bye.